the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored Know the Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said, If we have not what we desire, we have more than we deserve. The next time you find yourself saying, I don't have what I deserve, you're dead right. Wherever you're at today, you have no reason to be discontent. None whatsoever. Because it's all mercy in the big picture. Have you ever felt unsettled or dissatisfied with your life? When we dwell on possessions we lack or opportunities we envy, it can make for a pretty miserable existence. Well, today on Know the Truth, we'll look at a passage in God's Word and discover helpful ways to stop comparing ourselves with others. Philip DeCourcy is teaching from Ecclesiastes 4, and we're reminded that having more isn't always a good thing. Perhaps you're feeling a little discontent right now. With a message called, Only the Lonely, here's Philip DeCourcy. We're in a study on Ecclesiastes. We're working our way through chapter 4, but we're really on a little bit of a sidetrack here for the subject of how do we cultivate contentment? Look at this verse. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and a grasping for the wind. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I'm in. When you and I really understand what contentment is and we find it, then we're up to all that life throws our way. We will be men and women for all seasons. Jesus turned water into wine, and contentment turned sorrow into joy and trouble into peace. We want to get to that place where we understand with Solomon that that a handful with quietness is better than two handfuls with worried work. We covered uh, some ground. Let me refresh you as to what we've already said regarding this issue of cultivating contentment. Number one, anticipate a struggle. Number two, want what you have. Number three, don't crave the things you cannot keep. And number four, live in the present, not the future. But let's look at a fifth mile marker on the road to contentment. Stop making comparisons. Stop making comparisons. You see, Discontentment is the child of covetousness. In fact, in this very chapter here in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 4, Solomon identifies the fact that most people go about trying to fill both hands because they do it out of envy of their neighbor and rivalry towards their competition. And it's futile, it's vain, it's empty. Don't go down that road. Better a handful with quietness, says Solomon. But covetousness is among us. We spend a lot of time comparing What others have to what we don't have, we compare, we compete, and we've got to stop it. How might we do that? Well, hang in here for a few minutes. I'm going to give you five ways 
to stop comparing and stopping it now. Number one, rejoice in the success of others. Cultivate a generous spirit towards others when they're blessed. Number two, remember sometimes it's God's will for us to decrease and others to increase. Bear that in mind when you're tempted to make a comparison. And you see God lifting someone up. You see God blessing them in the way he's not blessing you. Well, it's God's business. Number uh, three, making comparisons is relative, selective, and therefore deceptive. No matter how much we have or add to what we have, there's always someone else who has more. It's all relative. And if you're going to get into the comparing game, you're going to be miserable. You're never going to land because there's always someone ahead of you. You're going to be breathless. You're going to be tired. You're going to be wearied. Fourthly, be mindful of the radical and indiscriminate nature of grace. If I had time, I'd turn you to Matthew 20, verse 1, following. We can't take that time, but but let me fill you in and draw upon your own knowledge of Scripture. It's a parable about a man who owned a vineyard. He goes out early in the morning. He hires some laborers to work in his field. Around noontime, he brings in a second shift. And about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, just towards the end of the working day, he brings in some more stragglers, puts them to work. Within a short hour or so, the work is done. Everybody gets paid. But the amazing thing is, according to this story, they all get paid the same. Now, there's a novel idea. Someone that owns a company can do with the company what they want. We need to think about that in America today. Equal pay. No equal pay here. It's the owner's prerogative to give as he wishes. And the rub of the story is, you see, the first will be last in God's kingdom and the last will be first. There's no pegging order. It's grace. If you're in the kingdom, if you're in the vineyard, it doesn't matter if you came early in the morning or late in the afternoon. It's all grace. That's why John MacArthur in his study Bible gets the gist of this when he says, quote, The thief on the cross will enjoy the full blessing of heaven alongside those who have labored their whole lives. It's the truth, isn't it? And you might be tempted to go, that seems unfair. But you see, grace is indiscriminate. Grace is radical. Grace is undeserved. It defies conventions. It defies measurements. So therefore, there are no winners and losers in grace. Only those who have more than they deserve. What are they bellyaching for? The vineyard owner gave them a job early in the morning. That's more than they desire. He was good to them. Same with the guys at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He was good to them. It's all good. There are no winners and losers. Only those who have got more than they deserve in the kingdom. We forget that. Grace is a radical thing. It leaves us without measurements skills by which to weigh things. John Newton said, if I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. To meet someone I had not thought to see there. Second, to miss someone I had thought to see there. And third, the greatest of all is to find myself there. That is the most amazing thing. Grace is wonderful and surprising. And if it grabs you and you get a grip of it, you'll not get into the comparing game. Because whether little or much, it's all grace. It's all mercy. 
Here's the last thought here. Live the life God has planned for you. Live the life God has planned for you. This comparing of one against the other is a deadly destructive game. And it's wrong for all the reasons I've said. And finally here, it's wrong because you're meant to live the life that God has planned for you. Ephesians 2 verse 10 is a beautiful verse. We often stop at verse 9. Having outlined, we're saved by grace, not by works. And then here's what it says. We are his workmanship. I think there's a version puts it. This is beautiful. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. And we're appointed unto good works, which he has planned before time began. When I was growing up as a boy in Northern Ireland, I grew up in a little Baptist church. We stood there every Sunday morning as a family, almost in descending order. Dad, mom, me, my brother, my sister. We got those old hymn books that have continued to surface in my mind in terms of the hymns we sang, some of the lines. In fact, as I was studying this one line from one of those hymns came to my mind, there's a work for Jesus only you can do. Remember that striking me as a boy? I wonder what God's got for me to do. Just me. God planned my life and set his love on me. And for a time, he called me to be an engineer. For a time, he called me to be a police officer. But it became clear, irresistibly clear, that God had called me to the office of a bishop, the office of a pastor, the privilege of preaching God's word. There's a work for Jesus only you can do. What's his plan for you? Are you living it? Remember that scene in John 21 after the resurrection? Jesus tells Peter about how he's going to die. And after he hears that news, he looks across and he sees John reposing by the side of Jesus. And immediately, human instinct, well, what's he going to be doing? If that's what you've called me to do, and it comes at the price of death, tell me what John's getting. Is it as bad as I'm getting, or is he getting off lighter? Is he getting it more easy than I'm getting it? What does Jesus say to Peter? What's that to you? Follow me, you know? It's like the blinkers on the racehorses, you know? Just you stay to your track. Don't worry what the other horse is doing. You and I are often tempted to live someone else's life, and that's a great wickedness. And it's a great waste. Because instead of using the energy that we could be using to better ourselves, make our lives more meaningful, we waste that energy staring at other people. God's business is that you should mind your own business and do his business. Here's a last thought, number six. Remember it could be worse, okay? Remember it could be worse. That'll help you become more contented. But I want to say something. I'm going to talk about what you're not thinking about. See, when you hear that, you immediately think, yep, I've done that. When I kind of don't feel so good, I think about others who are much worse off than me. You know, I think of the starving in Africa. I think of those dying on cancer wards and so on and so forth. And when I think about that, I feel a bit better. My life seems more like a rose garden. What I moan about, fuss about, fret about, it's just a storm in a teacup compared to what others are dealing with. And there's a truth to that. But I don't, I don't think that's a good path to contentment. I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's very man-centered. Okay, you're trying to find your contentment by looking to men, their plight, their troubles. It's not God-centered. 
It's not about finding your sufficiency and your stability in the one who fills all things and can fill you. By the way, let me say this. We cannot and ought not to find our joy based on the misery of others. There's something wrong about that, right? I feel good because he's, he's miserable. And it could be worse. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. It's not love. Two, if we think about it, the it could be better model is at best situational. It can't be the path to contentment because Paul has told us that his contentment had nothing to do with his circumstances. I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. But you see, if we play the it could be worse game, that's all to do with circumstances. So it can't be true contentment. It can't be found at the end of that path. Now, true contentment is not found in comparing ourselves with others. Listen to this now. True contentment comes by comparing what we have to what our sins really deserve. That's where we really should be comparing. That's what I mean by remember it could be worse. Not in relationship to the plight of others, but in relationship to your lost, wicked condition before God apart from Jesus Christ. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible are Psalm 103, verse 8 through 10. I've ran to them for refuge more than I care to admit. He has not dealt with us after our sin. And he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. You know what that verse is saying? That Philip the Corsi, every day he lives, is getting more than he deserves. I don't care where he is, what he's facing, what he's up against. It's still better than he deserves. God has not dealt with me after my sin. According to Jeremiah and Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 23, why are we not consumed? I mean, let's be honest about it. Why are we not consumed? Why has the acts of God's holy, just, righteous wrath not fallen? It could fall. It should fall. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory. We have been estranged from our mother's womb. We have gone astray from the moment our heart began to beat and our lungs began to breathe. Why has the axe not fallen? What does it say? We are not consumed because of his mercies. Great is his faithfulness, which is new every morning. My friends, you are where you are in life. What you know in a relationship to Jesus Christ, you're all of that simply and solely, nothing else involved but because of God's mercy. Remember that it could be an awful lot worse. That's why Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said, if we have not what we desire, we have more than we deserve. It's a great statement, probably one of the best in his book. If we have not what we desire, we have more than we deserve. You see, here's a challenge to you. The next time you find yourself saying, I don't have what I deserve, let the gospels answer back, you're dead right, and thank God that that's the case. Because if you and I got what we deserve, it's hell for all of us, my friends. And you and I need to remember that when we become discontent, we can bet our bottom dollar we have forgotten our plight. We are not serious about our sin. We either have no comprehension or a limited comprehension of God's holiness, His burning, white, hot righteousness that's like a heat-seeking missile after any signature of sin. 
The gospel turns our complaints inside out and causes us to face the fact if we really got what was coming to us, it wouldn't be a pretty picture. And that means, and listen to me, I really mean this, whatever you're facing today, wherever you're at today, you have no reason to be discontent. None whatsoever. Because it's all mercy in the big picture. Read the book of Ephesians. Here's what we are apart from Christ. Children of wrath, sons of disobedience, alienated from the life of God, in this world without hope, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, deserving of God's justice. That's what we are. But, love that, don't you? Ephesians 2, 4, but God was rich in mercy wherewith he loved us. And by grace are we saved. God takes those kind of people, the sons of disobedience, the children of wrath, and he adopts them into his family. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved the rats like me. You've heard it before, but we need to hear it again and really think about it. In grace, we get what we don't deserve, and in mercy, we don't get what we do deserve. We're worthy of nothing more than hell. And you and I were headed there until Jesus stopped us and in repentance turned us around. And now we're going to heaven on that great awakening morning. Fare thee well. Fare thee well. That's a truth that puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Whatever our trials, whatever our losses, listen to these words by Thomas Watson. Whatever our trials and whatever our losses, it is all the hell we shall ever have. Wow. You don't like what you're in? I'm not saying it's necessarily good. It could be awful. But as a saint of God, as a pilgrim and stranger in this world, it's all the hell you'll ever know. And it's temporary, and it's short, and it's easy compared to the real one that you have escaped because of the love of God in Christ. Listen to the words of Thomas Watson. Whatever change or trouble a child of God meets with, it is all the hell he shall have. Whatever eclipse may be upon his name or estate, I may say of it, as Athanasius said of his banishment, that it is a little cloud which will soon blow over, and then his gulf is crossed, his hell is passed. Death begins a wicked man's hell, but it puts an end to a godly man's hell. Think to yourself, what if I endure this? It is but a temporary hell. Indeed, if all our hell is here, it is but an easy hell. Remember that verse Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 25? The rich man who died and went to hell, lifted his eyes up in torment, looked towards Abraham's bosom. There was Lazarus, the man who used to sit outside his gate. And he drove by him in his Bentley. What does Jesus say? He says this, hey, you received in your lifetime good things, Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and you are tormented. My friend, whatever the evil things you face, whatever the life 
situations God sets you in, harrowing and hard as they may be, please, please, please remember again and again and again, it is all the hell you will ever know. And it's but a temporary hell. It's an easy hell compared to that which you have escaped. And when you grasp that, that contents the soul and calms the soul of the saint of God. How many times have we watched people who have lost everything, who escaped fire or flood, we'll hear them say this, what? I'm just glad to be alive. I know I've lost my home and I've lost my business, but you know what? Comparatively speaking, that really doesn't matter compared to the fact I'm breathing, I'm living. I'm just glad to be alive. You listen to me. That's the Christian worldview. That's the way we need to live every day because the fires of hell are behind us. The wrath of God is no longer chasing us down like a heat-seeking missile. And every day we live, we get up and we say, I'm just glad to be saved and redeemed and forgiven and on my way to glory. He's delivered me from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. I'm a brand plucked from the burning Jude verse 22. And the reason you're discontent because you haven't thought much about your so great salvation. And you've minimized God's holiness and you've forgotten the reality of hell or you wouldn't be so discontent because you should get up every morning and thank God every morning that you're saved. And whatever you're facing, it's all the hell you'll ever have. Let's pray. Lord, we've been smacked in the face by these great truths that do not allow us to escape into self-pity. Forgive us for our lack of contentment, for how we have undervalued our relationship with you, how we have minimized the treasure that is ours already in our relationship with the Son of God. Hell's behind us, heaven's before us. The best is yet to come. This is all the hell we will ever know. The lines have fallen unto us in pleasant places and how wicked our hearts are. We're so discontent, dissatisfied, disturbed. Forgive us. Help us to find a blessed assurance in all that we have found when we find Jesus Christ. For these things we ask and pray in his name. Amen. You and I have been given so much through Jesus Christ. It's a helpful reminder when we struggle with discontentment. You're listening to Know the Truth and a message from Philip DeCourcy called Only the Lonely. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. If you've never contacted the ministry before, we hope you'll do that today. And when you call, we'll send you a free CD, a message from Philip called Keep Calm and Carry On. Ask for the free CD message when you call 888-644-8811. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to present clarifying biblical truth through Philip's straightforward expository teaching. Because when we understand the truth of God's Word, life comes into focus and we can see Jesus for who He really is. With that in mind, we hope you'll join us as a financial partner to keep Know the Truth on the air, on the web, and coming to you through the KTT app and podcast. With a monthly donation of $25 or more, you can help send the gospel across the country and around the world. And as one of our Truth Ambassadors, you'll receive special resources like our Accord Newsletter, 
a monthly live video devotional from Philip, and so much more. Call us at 888-644-8811 or sign up to be a monthly partner online at ktt.org. If you prefer, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. But however you choose to give today, with a one-time gift or a monthly donation, we'll send you a resource Philip DeCourcy hardly recommends. It's the book titled Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. When we learn to trust God, we can put striving and worry to rest. We'd like to send this book to you today, along with our thanks, when you give to the Bible teaching ministry of Know the Truth. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And thanks for your support. That's all the time we have today. Join us again Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. An exciting new book from Regnery looks at the power of love and intimacy from a godly perspective. It's called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Sex is powerful. Just saying the word can stir up all kinds of emotions inside people. Maybe it's a positive emotion for you or a hurtful, shameful, confusing one. It's no wonder we humans struggle to understand its meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Nancy Houston, a sex therapist, leadership coach, and licensed professional counselor. After counseling hundreds of clients about the topic of intimacy, I decided to write Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Love and Sex is filled with life-changing, compelling stories to help us all reconnect to love and is biblically based on the truths of God's Word. Get your copy now of best-selling author Nancy Houston's compelling new book, Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Hello, I'm Mike Lind- Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.